0: Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible.
1: It's so- Eyes have seen and ears are heard. First John talks about that. We've seen and touched and declared to you this glorious gospel. And what the Spirit has confirmed for us, and the, the Bible that we have from Genesis to Revelation, and all just the Word of God, this made the cut with the Holy Spirit. And you know, you, there's, about, there's about 50 stories of Jesus, 50 different stories of what he did between the four Gospels, about 50. But everything he did was moving toward dying on the cross. But the Holy Spirit says through John, you could write endless books and fill endless libraries of all the things that Jesus did. So for us in time, space, and matter, gather here tonight singing these songs, the Lord bless thee and keep thee and all this stuff. We don't even know the half of what God really has done for us. We don't even know 0.0000001% of what God's done for us and what he has for us. That's why it says, no eye has seen, ear, no heard. Those things he has for those who love him in the coming kingdom. And he said to Thomas, when they they said the Lord was hearing, he goes, I'm not going to believe that unless I see it. Remember what she said? I have seen and believe. And when Thomas, when Jesus appeared a second time, and Jesus says, Thomas, hey, put your finger right here. You say you wouldn't believe. And Thomas is like, whoa. And, and Thomas says, oh, my Lord, my God, I, I believe. And Jesus said, yeah, you believe because you've seen, but how much more blessed are those who have not seen believe? Ah, that's us. <laughs> that's us. That's us. We've not heard the half of it. We haven't heard .000, 000 whatever percent of it. It's going to be all the glory for eternity. So, before we move on from failing Solomon, isn't it good to just see, like, again, like, Samson was a failure as a Nazarite, Jesus is the perfect Nazarite? Yeah. Solomon was a great king. Jesus is the King of Kings. And his words and his wisdom. When we come here in this place and we sing and we do memorials and we do dedications and we pray for loved ones leaving us and going out of state to new places and we share this experience and we break bread in there and we have communion once a month. I, this is who we're serving. We're, we're not a motivational seminar. We're not a political party. We're not USC football alumni, night, which is not bad. But like, we're the church. See, we're eternal and we're here. We're right around Jesus. Isn't that so awesome? Once all the political signs start going up every election, my wife's like, oh, gosh, how can they be up already? And I'm like, well, don't even know what's the matter. The trumpet's going to sound soon. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but really, like, at 60, you're like, hey, it's the fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. We're going from glory to glory, and my greatest concern in life right now is how I spend the value of each day. Because it's the most valuable thing I have, and you too. And what matters to me most is if I, I'm, I'm losing a day today, I'm, I'm spending equity, I can't get back Time. You know, what matters, I ask myself every day, is how am I spending this equity to build equity in eternity? Because I'm expending, and I don't want to just waste my money like bad stock in the stock market right now, if you will. Because the real equity is my faith and the value of my day and how I spend my day and what am I living for and my faith and the actions that follow it. How am I spending 24 hours with 100 days in front of me before it's 2023? And each day, Paul said to redeem each day, my question that I ask myself every morning. My number one goal is I look and say, how am I going to exchange the value and the equity of this day? I'm selling stock right now. I'm giving up something that I'll never get again. So I need to make sure how I think, talk, pray, act, and respond is building dividends for all eternity in time and eternity. Otherwise, I'm just wasting the greatest asset I have, time. We need to redeem the time, and it's worth asking yourself whether you're young or old, but particularly if you're old because for sure you know it's fourth quarter. Could be could be the two-minute warning if you're young, too. You just don't know. But Jesus, a greater than solemnness here, and that's who we're worshiping every time we gather here, and that's what unifies us when breaking bread in that gym and breaking communion here last week. That's, that's what we're doing here. The second thing we see is happy are your servant, happy are your men, and happy are those who's your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Yeah, it's a great job. It was a great job. It was a good gig to work for Solomon in the palace. He's the smartest guy. He's that guy. And it's a great job. You're at work and you're watching Solomon run the business and he he's just dropping he's dropping nuggets in everything he's doing. He's just, he's, he's the walking book of Proverbs. He is the living book of Proverbs. Like, if you sat under Pastor Chuck Smith in his teaching, he would, you know, the, what we call the Calvary distinctives, Chuck would put stuff out there like, well, you know, blessed are the flexible, they won't be broken. Right? Like, stuff like that. Like, he would just say, like, yeah, and doesn't it stick with you? This, that one sentence has shaped my life for 35 years in ministry. Blessed are the flexible, they will, for they won't be broken. Like, such a simple phrase. Well, Solomon's got 31 chapters of those when you work for him. Like, picture of Romaine back in the day following Chuck, and Chuck's like just talking and chit-chatting. He's just a boom, boom, boom. Pastor Chuck's book of Proverbs, that's great and awesome, and it's a legacy. But this is Solomon with the Holy Spirit, eternal word of God, book of Proverbs. Happy are the servants. So, like, it's a great job. You want to go to work right like you want to go to work you love your boss you love your place of employment great benefits you eat from the king's table and you get to hear him just share things and you go like oh honey i had this idea and i was praying about it and i couldn't quite put it all together with the property up there in naftali. and then suddenly solomon said this thing to this guy that's visiting from persia i couldn't believe it and all of a sudden the idea is connected and i have this business model now it's going to work that's the benefit of working with solomon He's got better ideas than you do. And if you're thinking about ideas and suddenly you hear his idea, that might be the answer to your prayers when you're praying the Shema in the morning like a good Hebrew. And suddenly he says something and then your wife said something because she's got good ideas most of the time. And the two you, like, oh my goodness, this is a solution for this problem with our neighbor. We're going we're to resolve this, this vineyard sale and it's going to work out fine. And everything's going to be good. That's what you got when you hung out with Solomon. And so it made you happy. You had a great job you like, I can't wait to go to work and hear what Solomon says this week. I can't wait to hear what he says on Monday. Solomon's always got fresh man on Monday. He's going to have something to say at work today. We have a staff meeting on Monday with Solomon. Can you imagine 20 minutes on a staff meeting with Solomon? Yeah. All right, let's go, everybody. Let's get back to work. it would be like, oh, fired up. He's giving you Proverbs chapter 11 when he didn't even in the word of God yet. That's what it'd be like. To hear the book of Proverbs as it was being written, Wow. But, you know, again, she said to stand before him and hear him. Well, how about the church when we stand before the Lord and hear him? Or like Mary in the Gospel of Luke, where it says Martha was busy doing all the work, and Mary sat down and says, you know what? I'm turning the cell phone off right now. The iPhone's off. Jesus walked through the door. (laughs) Look, Jesus walked through the door. It's off. Put that there. Jesus here, like the grandkids. That's the way you should be with the grandkids, by the way. And if your adult kids are talking to you, that's the way you should be with them too. Turn turn the distractions off. Martha's like, oh, we got this. Oh, this that oh we got this, you know, we got the potatoes going in the oven, we got this stuff, oh, we're gonna get we got the tofu happening or whatever, we got the fatty calf. Like oh, all the grills. oh honey, check the girl like she's like that. And Mary's like, Jesus is he's just sharing and he's teaching. And she's just sitting there, just taking it in. Just taking in everything he's talking about. He's explaining. He's explaining, honor your father and your mother. He's explaining being content and not being covetous. And Mary's getting it, and Martha's missing it. Mary desired the better thing. And so when Martha's, like, told Jesus, hey, tell my sister to help out with putting the dishes in the dishwasher, Jesus goes, no, no, hang on, Martha. Martha. Mary's chosen the more excellent thing. What was that? Sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what he has to say. Now, when we say that we have a morning devotion or a devotion time, what, is, what do we mean by that? It almost can be caught up as like Christianese, if you will, or a devo. Like Garrett used to always, Pastor Garrett used to always like, I had a good devo. Like, like devo like 80s. You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, whip it. You know, like, that kind of devotion, like with the cone. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Devotion. It's short for devotion to spend time with the Lord. So, number one on the list every morning for me is to read my Bible. I'm about to finish Hosea tomorrow. I've been in Hosea for about five days. I finished Daniel before that. I, I have a journal. I write things in the journal. Most of my notes are on my phone now, but my time with the Lord still in the journal. I put, like, the wedding invitation to Kimberly and Brady's wedding that we did a couple weeks ago. That's in my journal. Stuff like that makes my journal. High school graduation cards make my journal. You know, things make my journal. I put them in my journal. I tape them in there. It's my life with Jesus. I got a bunch of them. They'll probably get thrown out 10 years after I'm gone from planet Earth. It won't matter, but for me, they matter. It's God's faithfulness to me. The most important thing we can do if we're going to Use our daily gift of time wisely is to seek the Lord and spend time in his word. To draw near to him and spend time in his presence. And I'll admit, Hosea is not my favorite book in the Bible. If you know much about Hosea, it just is what it is. Everyone's in trouble. <laughs> and they're all getting rebuked. <laughs> you know? But that famous verse, if you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. I was one of Billy Graham's favorite. That's in there. I read that yesterday, like, as a man soweth, so he reapeth. And as you think it, so you become. So I got a lot of that one. And even if I don't get a lot of it, I'm still in the word every day, like I'm eating cornflakes with banana. Like, just it's what we do. I feed my physical body, eggs, whatever. I Good whole wheat toast, vitamins, the chewies, gummies from my belly. <laughs> probiotics, all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone over 60, you should know what I'm talking about. Uh, But she said, happy are your servants. So happy are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Happy were those men who followed Jesus around, rubbing the weed heads in the the kernels to the field, that followed him where he went and got to be on the boat with him. In the storm. Happy were those guys. Happy were the women, as it says in Luke, who ministered to Jesus and met all those needs to take care of everybody that's been so well shown in the chosen TV series, the women and how they ministered to Jesus. It almost gets lost in the, in the scriptures, but you see it time and time again. No wonder the women were there at the empty tomb long before the apostles were. They got, hey, early bird, early worm. They got the first fruits. They saw it, Mary, the rest. As we think about what she said, happy, If she proclaimed happiness and blessings upon those who stood before Solomon to hear his words, how much more for you and I, disciples of Jesus Christ, if you are one who wake up, seek the Lord, and have the Holy Spirit speaking to us, giving us things to think about, taking the scriptures, putting it in, and and giving resolution to unresolved matters in our mind and our personal lives, and suddenly this word is a word from the Lord. It's when it shapes, our, it shapes our worldview either way. This is right, this is wrong. Don't be confused. Don't be swayed by the world. There's a way that seems right to men, but the end thereby is death. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and this is the whole counsel of God. So if nothing else, it's truth, 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 and you have the right worldview. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and everything else is changing. They're moving the landmarks. They're moving the goalposts. Jesus is the same, and God is light, and him is no darkness at all. So just reading. 11, 12 chapters of Hosea in four days, they'll keep, keep you keep in your lane. Like Autotopia Disneyland. Right? You can't get, you know, like Autotopia has a start, stop, a start, finish. I went on the Autotopia I think with all four of my kids, starting with Hannah when she was two, 30 years ago. You know, the little Autotopia, you're going forward. And if you're not, someone's gonna whack you from the behind, and they'll move you forward. You can get whacked from the back, you can whack in the front, you can go this far to the right, you can go this far to the left, but you can't get off track and out of your lane. That's what the Word of God does. It's like a little autotopia. It keeps us moving forward. Maybe a little kick from the Lord, good for you. And you just stay in your lane, and sooner or later you get out and you're like, wow, that was a, what a wonderful time with my two year old daughter Hannah back in 1992, 93, on a California visit from Virginia. It's a great memory. See, when we make time for the Lord, the Bible tells us that angels in First Peter desire to look into the things that we now have revealed to us in the glorious gospel and the word of God. We have a red letter Bibles and the action that should be the number one action of our day is to stand, kneel or sit before the one greater than Solomon who's going to speak to us from his word by his spirit. That's how your work day should begin and your Sabbath day too with the Lord. Finally, the third thing we see, verse 9, she says, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. So she pronounces a blessing on him. Well, she blesses the Lord, and she reminds him why he's the king, because the Lord put him there. And the Lord put him there. So what? For justice and righteousness. And doesn't planet earth It's good for planet Earth. It's good for humanity. It's good for the individual. It's good for everybody when there's justice and righteousness. She gave glory to God over Solomon's greatness. She did bless God, uh, Jehovah, for his greatness. And, you know, she reminded him, like, you have this incredible thing. So, again, in the world of men and time, space, and matter, his timeline, his generation, all of his glory, he ultimately has a responsibility to be a king on a throne and make good judgments. We read previously last week, verse by verse, where he built his throne. He had a throne room when he built all these things, the house of Lebanon, Pharaoh's daughter's house and uh, all that stuff. He built a, a, a place of judgment where he would make judgments, judge and jury. He's the guy. He's, he would, that's what kings do. That's what queens do. They make the final say on certain things. And that's what he did. We're told that his throne was of ivory and overlaid with pure gold. It's impressive. It had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side. Two lions stood beside the armrest. Okay. Uh, Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. The Holy Spirit tells us in verse 20 that of all the thrones ever built up to this time, this is the throne. I mean, like, this is the throne. Like the Queen of Sheba had a throne. She's like, I don't have a throne like that throne. This is the throne. Got the big lions, 12 little lions, ivory gold. Like you walk in there, he's like, oh, what's up? You know, he's, he's, he's the bling king. <laughs> he just, you and I would have been so intimidated to walk into his throne room. I told you, Bill Clinton walked by me when he was a president in Vermont in 1994, governor's convention at the Sheraton Hotel. He walked right by me, and I tell you that the three things that blew my mind with Bill Clinton—I was by the most powerful man on planet Earth because the president of the United States is generally the most powerful man on planet Earth. Three things: one, he's about to go before all these governors and all these people that were going to cheer him, and he did what all of us did—he looked in the mirror and he did this. But I was looking at him through the window. I'm like. Seriously, Bill Clinton did this. The Lord knows Like, like, right, yeah, good for you. You should look good. Then he walks right by me, and I go, there goes the most powerful man in the world. And I got nervous. All the Secret Service, I'm in room service. There goes Bill Clinton, President Clinton, with the Secret Service, like, wow. There they go. And then he went in the room, and everyone's just like. That's what I remember, those three things. I got really nervous when he walked by me. He fixed his hair. I got nervous when he walked by me, and people would have died for him in that room. Their worship of him was unbelievable. And the Lord's like, you should worship me like they worship him. Actually, more than that. Because that's pretty discouraging Vermont, so. The throne room is intimidating. When you go to a courtroom and there's a, a real judge and it's a trial, especially a serious trial, like millions of dollars civil or criminal like murder, stuff like that, that ser- I've been on a couple almost jury cuts, and some of you have been on jury trials involving murder. So I've talked to you, I know. It's serious, like judges are intimidating. How about the throne of Solomon? But alas, before we have a great time breaking bread in the gym, we need to remember who's on the ultimate throne. What do people sell the down? Well, you know, God's on the throne. When they tell you, I lost a trillion in the stock market this week, but God's on the throne. Our houses are losing value, but God's on the throne. My Bitcoin went boom, but God's on the throne. They're forcing this on us, but God's on the throne. What are you going to do? God's on the throne. Right, he is. So Solomon's throne was impressive. You know, it's like four or five verses. It's pretty impressive. Let's look at the throne of Jesus. Revelation chapter 4. John's in heaven, and he says this. After these things, he'd seen, uh, excuse me, chapter 5. After he'd seen the Father's throne, he sees the Son's throne. And he says, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written, and on the back seal with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and loosen it? And no one in heaven on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll. It's a deed of title, earth, by the way. Or to look at, behold... Um, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. That's a reference from the book of Daniel, which are the seven spirits of God out in all the world. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he described the father's throne before that in chapter Four, it's the rainbow, it's the emeralds, it's the 24 elders, it's the four living creatures, it's everything, and they're all saying, holy, holy, holy. But Jesus on his throne, it says in verse 8 that he took the scroll, the four living creatures, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. So, in other words, in the throne room, it's all about Jesus in the throne room. The, the, four, the focus of the four living creatures and the 24 elders, it's on Jesus. And he takes the scroll. They have harps and golden bowls, and these are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song, and this is what they say at the throne of God. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us by, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nations, that includes Yemenis, the Queen of Sheba, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and the voice of many angels were on the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them. Ten thousands, times ten thousands, a thousand, saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb, who was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever then the four living creatures said amen amen and they worship him who lives forever and ever now it is unfair to compare that to solomon's throne because solomon's ivory and golden is long gone it's not in any museums that i know of it went the way of all men the dirt from the dust that came the dust that returned But this throne is the throne that determines the hairs on our head, the beat of our heart, every breath we breathe, the purpose of our life, the glory intended, the plans and purposes, the talents and the gifts that God wants to use and redeem for his glory. This throne is where it all comes from. We're made by him and for him and in him we consist and move and live and have our being. So our life is this great gift and we only get one of them. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He is at the throne room. He is there right now. And he ever lives and intercedes for each one of us in whatever we're facing, be it the mountaintop of joy or the valley of despair. He is with us in all of it. David said in Psalm 139, If I go to the farthest side of the sea here or all the way there, you will see me. If I go here, you're there. If I go there, you will see me. And he's for us. We actually sang in this song with Jeff. I'm really glad he played that song. You are for us. You are for us. You are for us. And Worship Generation Church, Body of Christ on Planet Earth, October 1st, 2022. We must know and believe that God is for us. We are created with purpose and meaning and destiny. But that destiny cannot be fulfilled until we surrender to Jesus Christ, the one greater than Solomon. And it cannot be fulfilled unless we're willing to wake up and redeem the time and get after it with all that we got, the purposes that we're intended for. And that is a life to be lived. And I read something interesting the other day. Uh, it's from an old book a long time ago. a Zigzag book where he said that most people, less than 2% of men by the time they are 60, are considered successful financially. They just don't understand setting goals, having vision, serving the Lord, repenting, being broken, walking in humility. And I thought, well, if less than two percent of men are considered successful by standards at sixty financially, how many Christians are are what percent of Christians can be considered fruitful and prosperous for the Lord when they're sixty? Or are we just going in circles? Or are we just plain church and religion? See. The one greater than Solomon is the king of kings. And he chose to compare himself to Solomon for all eternity, for all of us to learn. And I gave you the comparison tonight. What the queen of Sheba said about Solomon, I took what she said and I compared it to Jesus. And we know that's who we serve. So as we begin the fourth quarter of this year, I just encourage all of us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then get on with the things he has and to redeem the time The days are evil, for the King is coming. And that's why we're alive this day right now, in Jesus' name.
0: You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.